Amen. Well, good morning. I, I am uh, I am new here, and um, uh, I've read through the employee handbook, but apparently I missed a part. The part that says that when you're introduced one week, then the next week you're on the stage to teach. Um, I just didn't see that there, but uh, overlooked that, I guess. No, it's a joy to be with you uh, this morning. As many of you know, it's been just weeks since my wife and I were living in the country of Haiti. And just weeks ago, if you were there, you would see things, as, as you'll see on the screen here, of, um, of us with teams on a bus, uh, in and out of different places, doing different kinds of work. Um, you'll, you would see us meeting with pastors and leaders and church leaders and um, visiting uh, orphanages, uh, just loving on children. And then, uh, I've forgotten what the last, <laughs> there we go. And then meet, and then spending time with translators and pastors and building relationships. That's what we were doing. We were there for one year. And um, some of you may say, well, how did you end up here? And um, let me just tell you, I could, t- I could speak about that for about an hour, two hours, three hours. But let me just summarize all of that for you and just say, God. <laughs> it's just God. Um, that's why I'm standing here on this stage. It's God. Um, Haiti, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I'm standing here today not needing a translator, though. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, it is difficult, as some men from our church here found out, it's very difficult to speak through a translator because you have to stop and wait. And, um, and, and you are very glad that there's not a translator for me this morning because it doubles the length of the message. <laughs> Everything is repeated. And it has been quite a, a journey for us. It, it truly has. The time in, in Haiti, um, story upon story of how God has been faithful and many people have questions for us about Haiti. They will ask us, they'll say, um, how was it? Uh, and it's so difficult to answer that question. But what we say, it, it, the, the summary of it, it was wonderfully inconvenient. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was wonderful. The people were beautiful people. And working alongside them and building relationships was incredible. But walking down the road to get jugs of water and to run out of water and not take a shower for a week and and not to have electricity, things like that, it was inconvenient. And yet God was in all of it. And he was working. People ask us, they'll say, what was the hardest part of living in Haiti for a year? And, And it honestly it wasn't it wasn't the food it wasn't the the sanitation it wasn't learning the language it wasn't the water the hardest part of living in Haiti was really learning the the way to minister to the people there because it's a very complicated place to serve and then people will ask us they'll say well what did you learn in Haiti. What did you learn along your journey? And so this morning I want to share with you what we have learned along our journey, but but not just in Haiti. While we were living in Haiti, we learned there was a phrase that we used a lot, and it was this phrase we would ask people, SKU converti? Are you converted? Are you saved? Are, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? 
Have you crossed the line of believing in a Savior and receiving Him into your life, receiving forgiveness of sins? Eskeu converti. The Bible talks about how that changes us. A relationship with Christ changes us. It says in, in 2 Corinthians, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, that we are changed forever. And so I say to you, the only truly significant journey that we can ever have in this life is a journey with Jesus Christ. It's not a trip to Haiti or any other place. It's a journey with Jesus. And in Trusting Jesus um, changes your life forever. And so as I speak to you this morning, I speak to you to say that, that I want to share with you some things we learned, but really it's kind of long-term learning. We were reminded of these as we spent time in Haiti. And some of you here today, you, you have started this journey with, with Christ that I'm talking about. You've started that maybe long ago when you were a child. You entered into that relationship with Christ and you can remember times of growth and you can remember children uh, learning as a child and, and youth group and those kinds of things. Some of you have that rich tradition, but others may not. You may be sitting in this place this morning and just recently... You have uh, connected with Christ and began a journey with Him. And you have a lot of questions in your mind and you're learning, but that's where you are. But then there may be others in this place, and there probably is in a group this size, where you have not begun that journey with Christ. You've walked into a building, into a church, but you've not stepped across the line. Say, I believe in Jesus as my Savior and I receive Him as my Lord. And regardless of where you are in your journey, um, I want to share with you some of what we have learned. And I want to begin by, by sharing with you a passage of Scripture that is a journey. It's a story of a journey. And it's found in the book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke 24, and we're going to begin on at verse 13. It's a longer passage of Scripture, but you really have to read the whole passage to understand the journey. Preface that with this, we pick up the story here uh, with Christ Jesus living on the earth and dying and the resurrection. And then we pick up this story in Luke 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to, to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. And moreover, some women of our, of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. And he acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the, the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scripture? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he's appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. These men were on this, this journey, and they met up with Jesus. And along the way, they, they were learning some things, and they realized that Jesus was with them. And they realized that what he had said had come true. And so this morning, as I talk about my journey and, and my wife and I, our journey together in Haiti and our journey of a lifetime, really, as we journey with Jesus, I want to challenge you with some things, some things that we have been learning along our journey. And the first is this, that we must walk with Jesus every day. Now, I know that sounds so simple. It sounds so, so basic. To walk with Jesus every day. And uh, that's what the men were doing. They were walking with Jesus. They were talking with him. They were asking questions. They were interacting. And that's what I'm referring to. We, we read this phrase, walk with Jesus, actually way in the Old Testament, early in the Old Testament, in Genesis. And it's talking about Noah. And it says that Noah was blameless in his generation. And Noah walked with God. And what a beautiful image of side by side walking with God. The problem in our story, in our passage, was that for a period of time, the men did not recognize Jesus. And although they were kind of hid from doing that, I think in our lives, a lot of times, it's not God hiding himself. It's us not seeing him. We walk into a place like this in this building and we worship together. But sometimes when we leave this place, walking with Jesus seems different and difficult Sometimes we forget that he's with us. Sometimes we go throughout the whole day and not recognize his presence with us. In Haiti, it, uh, no matter what time of day you're out, day or night, no matter what day it is, people are always walking. The Haitians are always walking. They're walking to get water. They're walking to get food. They're walking to the market. They're walking many times with, with things on their head, and they're carrying all kinds of charcoal and firewood and sometimes goats and animals and chickens. And they're walking everywhere. They're walking to church. And many times as we were traveling on a bus to church with a team, we would pass those walking to church dressed in suits and dresses. And we would, we would travel for miles, get to the church, and realize the same people we passed along the road, miles in, in the rearview mirror, were arriving from walking. This, this past spring, my wife and I, we celebrated our 25th 
wedding anniversary. And uh, we're in Haiti, and so we're trying to figure out, what do we, what do, we do? So we decided, simply, we were going to buy each other Fitbits to just encourage us to stay in, in good physical fit and shape, you know? And so uh, we, we ordered those, and we had a team that was coming in to bring them to us. And Actually, let me clarify, my wife asked for a Fitbit and two candy bars. Um, and she said that would even out. Um, so they brought her two candy bars along with that. But you know, in, in America, we walk for exercise, don't we? We don't necessarily walk as a way of life, but Haitians walk to live. They walk in the sun, they walk in the rain, they walk uphill, downhill. And when you meet someone on the road in Haiti and you're passing them, there's a phrase that you would say, bonjour or bonsoir, you know, good morning or good afternoon. And sometimes you would say, Comoye, how are you? And if you say that, many times the initial response is bien, good. Okay? But I, I noticed after being in Haiti for just a short period of time, there was more they were saying to me. They were saying this. They were saying, bien, grâce à Dieu. And I had to learn what that meant. I was like, what, what, what did they say? And what they were saying was, I'm good by the grace of God. They're walking down the road and they're saying, I'm good by the grace of God. They're not just walking, they're walking with God. They're realizing that every place they go, He goes with them as believers. And it was challenging to us. I ask you this morning can you go a whole day and not walk with God? We sure can. I've done it. Can you go a whole week? And not really walk with God? Yeah. Can you walk into church and not really be walking with God? Sure can. Happens all the time. That connection with God all day long. What does that really mean to walk with God? Let me break this down just a little bit because that phrase is, is really, in a way, it's hard to grab your, to get your mind around. You know, walk with God. It sounds kind of simple, like, yeah, let's all walk with God. But what does that mean? I think we walk with God by recognizing, first of all, recognizing his presence with us. That's the first step. You have to recognize as a believer, he is going where you go. He is with you wherever you go. The men on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him, and sometimes we don't. I love a, a, a phrase from a book I've read, I've been reading. It's from Peter Scazzaro a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Just a short little phrase that, that I love because it challenges me. This is what he says. He says, to pay attention to God throughout the entire day, this is the great challenge for all of us. Isn't that true? We get so busy. It's easy to live, this is what he goes on to say, it's easy to live most of our waking hours without any consistent awareness of God's presence. Walking with God is recognizing his presence. And the second, second thing is it's by allowing God to change us every day. See, God wants to change us every day. And sometimes as believers, we, put, we, we package that in a little box and we say, hey, I'm going here to this concert or this retreat for change. And yet God wants to change us every day of our lives. Scripture tells us, oh Lord, you are the father and we are the clay. You are the potter. And we are the work of your hand. He wants to change us. 
And he'll do that every day. It's not just the big changes that sometimes happen at retreats and conferences and and even in church, but it's the little things that grow us, those little happenings all day long. In Haiti, there's this this, uh, uh, small city that I discovered about a year and a half ago called Guadalupe. And in this city, it's it's known as an artisan shop uh, city. And what, what happens there is that oil drums, big oil drums from the ships that come in are taken to this city and the men and the women that work there, they're making a living there. They take those oil drums and they cut them up and they begin to beat and pound on them and, and make holes in them and shape them. And what they create are these beautiful works of art. And some of you that have been to Haiti with FCC, you've brought back some of those works of art and some of them are just scripture made out of metal, and they're beautiful. And they start not looking good at all, and they turn into something beautiful. And that is, that is as you read the Bible, that is what God wants to do in us and through us. But it happens every day as we walk with God. It's a daily thing. So I ask you, are there parts of you, who, uh, parts of you that you don't like very much that need changed? Is there something going on that needs a new direction in your life? That's God's business. Walk with Him. Let Him walk with you in the process of that change. The third thing is this. We walk with God by receiving direction for our lives. Receiving direction, whether it's through God's word, as he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But it's also God's Holy Spirit speaking through us daily as we walk with him. Living in in Haiti, part of the responsibility that I had was to meet the uh, mission teams that were coming in, like the teams from FCC that were coming in. They would arrive at the airport and I would promise them that when they walked out of that airport, I would be there. I'd be there waiting for them. And although when they walked out of that airport, it was chaos. They were to look for the white, bald man. Okay. Find me. Pastor Ted Calais, they called me there. Pastor Ted Calais, the bald pastor. <laughs> so they called me in the churches. But I, but I would tell them, come, go through the airport, uh, go through customs and all that, get your luggage. And when you walk out that door, there's going to be hundreds of people around. But I'll be standing right there. And I'm going to show you the way to the bus. And then when we get on the bus, I'm going to show you the way to the guest house. And then I'm going to show you how to stay safe. I'm going to show you the work that we're going to do. Just follow me. And it's the same thing with our daily walk with Christ, that he, we receive direction every single day. And those small little interruptions that we have throughout the day that kind of tick us off, you know what I'm talking about. The things that aren't supposed to happen, that take up our time, um, do you ever think sometimes God is working through those? I know in my life, my first reaction to those things, no, I didn't have that planned. I didn't plan to go there. Uh, you know, let's put that another time. But sometimes God wants to give us direction by what's going on in our lives on a daily basis. Receiving direction. And then I think we walk with God by finding help with our struggles. If the scripture says, come to me, if Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest, he means it. To come to him on a daily basis as we are hurting, as we are struggling, as we are getting in situations where we don't know what to do, 
and we're in a painful situation, God is there. God is there. Back in, in January, we had a mission team in, in Haiti, and we were at the uh, home building site in the middle of the week, and we were building the house. And there, were, there were workers all around, but there were children around, and they were trying to help out, and they would try to lift a block and carry it to us and help mix sand and all of that. And there was one little boy at this job site that one of the team members, he, he pointed him out to me, and he brought him over to me. And this little boy was, was sick. He had a, a hernia. And it was, it, was, it was really bad. It was just a huge. And I'm thinking, my first reaction and thought is, here's a little boy who, who lives in a country where you live off the land, where you, if you don't work hard, you don't live. And how's he going to survive? And I'm looking at him, and the mom comes over, and, and uh, we begin to talk. And, and, and I tell him, I, I tell her, I say, well, I don't have anything to give you today. But I tell you what we can do. We can circle around him and we can pray over him in this struggle in your life, in his life. And we can say, Lord, would you take care of this? Because we can't. And that's what we did. We gathered the whole team around. We prayed over this boy. And at the end of the week, the team handed me money that they had collected. They'd taken up an offering for this boy. And they said, here's some money. And we want to, um, we, we want to take care of him. And so we took that money and, and we began to get, the, to, to get the boy to a clinic first. We took him to a clinic to be seen. They said he needs to go to the hospital. We took him to the hospital. I met with the doctor. And the amount of money they gave was enough money for surgery for this boy. It was amazing. So the boy went into surgery. And I remember sitting there in the, in the little, not really waiting room, because <laughs> this is a hospital in Haiti. But in, the, in this little area, I'm sitting there with the pastor. I'm sitting there with the mom. And surgery's happening. The surgery finishes, and the doctor comes out. He speaks a little bit of, of English, and he tells me everything went wonderfully. And the boy's fine. We've taken care of it. And so he asked the mom, he says, will you come on in? You can see your son. So the mom runs in through the doors. She's in there not long. And she comes out. She's got a smile on her face. She comes and grabs my hand. She wants me to come back there and, and see. And so I go back and the boy's laying there and he's, he's drugged up, <laughs> you know, and he's just kind of laying there, but he's fine. And uh, the, the, the mom is so proud of what God has done that she takes the sheet that's covering all of his private parts. And she just pulls it off and she's like, look, look. <laughs> and I, I see, I see, yes. Uh, he's taken care of. And then she, then she says, on photo, on photo. She's saying, I want you to take a picture of it. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, in, in our country, this is illegal. People get arrested for this. Okay. And so I had to figure out a way not to take a picture on my phone of this little boy. But he was taken care of. It was a struggle that I could not do. And we have situations in our lives every day where we cannot, we, we can, and you know what we do first thing is we try to figure out how we can do it. Instead of falling to our knees and saying, Lord, I need your help. I know you're walking with me. Recognizing his presence with us and allowing him to change us on a daily basis and, and getting direction in our lives and finding help in our struggles. That's walking with God. We've been learning that. We've also been learning this to always listen and always learn. I know, again, that sounds so simple. 
You know, when you read this passage that we read, there's this, there's this part in the passage where it, it says the, the guy's named Cleopas, he's responding to Jesus, and, G, and Jesus is, is, is saying, what, what are you talking about? You know, he already knew, but he's just, what are you talking about? And, and Cleopas kind of responds almost with an attitude. You can almost read into an attitude there like, hey, are you the only one, that's what he says, are you the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't heard this? Oh, come on. You know, it's that kind of a, I, I know this, you don't. And I think as believers, sometimes we get there. And sometimes what God has surrounded us with to, to learn from in our walk with him, we don't, we don't listen and we don't learn. And sometimes we read the Bible and we look at the Pharisees and we read the disciples. We read about Peter denying Christ and think, how could he do that? And then, of course, the next logical step in our minds is, I am so glad that I'm not that way. There's a spiritual pride that happens in our lives as we, as we mature a bit. And we're just not very good listeners and learners. And we live in America where we're bombarded with Bibles and Bible studies and conferences and teaching and, and, and turn on the TV and we can watch pastors. And, I mean, it's everywhere, right? We have so many opportunities to learn. And then we go to places like Haiti and we think, wow, we have so much to teach these poor, helpless people. And there is a lot for them to learn, of course. I remember being on the, 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 the home building site another time where we were building the house for a needy family. And we had just arrived that morning with a team. And when we first get there, the, the Haitian workers are always there hours before us. And they're working. And we come and join them. And then we work throughout the day. But we had gotten there and the Haitian workers were working. But when we get there, the normal thing is we all stop. We all gather around a circle and we pray and ask God to bless our work. And so we did that. We all gathered in a circle. And usually, I, a lot of times, I would lead that prayer. But on that one morning, I looked over at one of the Haitian workers and I said, would you lead us in prayer, brother? And he did. He bowed his head and prayed. We had a translator and um, he prayed, Lord, thank you for keeping my family and me safe last night. And I immediately I thought, I'm living in Haiti, but immediately I thought, when was the last time I prayed something that, that deep, that protection? You know, what do I pray about? when I pray. But this man, he had, you, you, some of you have been to Haiti, and if not, you've seen pictures, or maybe you, you know a little bit about the place, these foreign countries, these third world countries. There's no locks on doors in most places. There's no doors in a lot of places. If somebody wants to come in and, and do something, they do it. If it's evil and they want to do it, they do it. Here's a man who fully trusted God that night to keep his family safe. There was a, a man that we got to know while we were in Haiti because we trusted him with our lives. He was our motorcycle driver. And um, although I had a motorcycle that I would use um, in, in Haiti myself, sometimes my wife and I were going in different directions. And so we would hire this man. His name was Marilise. And I would, we would hire him to take my wife up the mountain to, a, to the orphanage. And he was wonderful. Sometimes he would take us both places. But sometimes it was just my wife. Sometimes it was my wife and my daughter when, when my daughter was living there with us. And uh, away they would go and we'd have to trust him, you know. And um, he was such a gentle man. 
He would go slow. He would take, you know, it just and didn't matter if the other Haitians who, who had motorcycles laughed at him because he was going so slow for these Americans. He took good care of us. And before we left, he communicated to us a thank you. And he said, um, thank you for letting me be your driver. And he told us, he said, I'm a farmer. And this year the crops were, they were not good. And, and you were my hope this season that God brought you into my life. And again, it's that, that deepness of, of, of understanding what it really means to walk with God, to depend on him, to trust in him. Listening and learning. I learned a lot from the Haitians. And, you know, we had a, we had a teacher's conference or a leadership conference this past uh, summer with the FCC team that went in. And the leadership conference, uh, we had so many men and women that came out to learn uh, about the Bible. And it was amazing. They were on the edge, edge of their seats the whole time. And they were taking notes. And, and sometimes they would want us to slow down as we taught because they just couldn't write that fast. They were writing everything that we said. And we're just kind of taking that in like we're... Where have I ever been where everybody in the room is taking notes on what I'm saying? You know? And then one time, one of the, one of the leaders was up teaching. And he was on one of the points. I don't know. Point. He said, and the fourth point is, and, and the Haitian raised his hand and said, no, no, you skip point three. You, I mean, they were, <laughs> they were listening. And we knew they were listening. They were eating it up. How hungry are we for the, the word of God? To listen, to learn. The scripture says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name. The Haitians are hungry physically, but they're hungry spiritually. And their hunger spiritually challenged us. We learned from them. And then finally, we learned in our journey with Christ, we have to take steps of faith to take steps of faith, to trust God in ways that we are not trusting him. These men in the, in the passage, they took a step of faith because they physically saw Jesus. He was right in front of, the, of, of them and he talked to them and all of a sudden it said he was gone. And there was probably a moment in time where they thought, well, was that, was that really him? You know, there was this faith that they had to use when they turned around and went back to Jerusalem to say, we saw Jesus, we walked with him. He, no, 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 he's not right here. I know, he's, I know you can't see him, but he was there. <laughs> Faith. You see, there are so many things that God wants to do in our lives, but he doesn't want us to do it on our own. He wants us together to accomplish. You know why? Because he gets the glory. He receives the, the praise. And mostly, probably, because so much more can be accomplished there's a verse in the Bible that challenges me every time I read it. I really don't know how to wrap my mind around it most of the time. And it's a simple verse. It's in Hebrews. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I, when I read that verse, I think about all that I do for the Lord and all that I do that what I would consider spiritual. And then I think, well, did I... Was there some part of that where I needed to trust God? Or did I, did I just do that all by myself? It's so challenging. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. In, in, in Haiti, not up in the mountains where the FCC team has been, but down, down by the ocean, there's another location that we would take teams. And, and there's a pastor that we worked with down there. Um, and that pastor, was a, we, we love the pastor. He was a wonderful man, Pastor Arnold. And Pastor Arnold had a church up on this small little mountain. And what we would do is we would take the vehicle, we'd put the team in the vehicle, we would drive down the road, we would stop at the side of the, of the road, we would all get out, we would walk up to the top, of that mountain and that's where we would serve and there were some wonderful incredible things that God did up on that mountain but the first thing that we had to do before we could walk up that mountain is we had to cross a little bridge and that bridge was just kind of a makeshift wood sort of nailed together loose some of the pieces were soft and so we had to kind of help each other across and don't step there, watch it here, you know. We have pictures. I was flipping through some pictures of Haiti um, last couple of days, and I saw one where we were helping each other across this bridge. And I realized there was a step of faith that had to happen before God was blessing and doing up on that mountain. There were steps of faith, and that is true of life, of trusting God and saying, God, I don't know how this is going to happen without you stepping in and helping. You ever been there? That's what the scripture means when it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. God, I don't see how this is going to happen without you stepping in. But I'm going to trust you for it. Not long after we moved to Haiti, we were, uh, my daughter Brennan and I were traveling downtown to the store to get some groceries. And we were riding public transportation, what they call tap-tap. Because you knock on the side of it when you want off. You just tap, tap on the side of it. And uh, it is uh, the most crowded vehicle you've ever been on. We were were riding in this little van, and it probably seats 15 people. There are probably 30 people on it. And it's not uncommon for them to continue to stop and get more and more. And you have babies sitting in your lap and people that you don't know they are pushing up against you. And that's their public transportation. We rode that down the the mountain. We went to the store. And then we went to the place where we would would find another tap-tap to get up the mountain. And and all of a sudden we realized something was going on that day. And there were people everywhere trying to get on these tap-taps, specifically the ones we needed. And so we had to kind of get in the mix of the crowd and try to push our way through and to try to get on these tap taps. They would pull up, people would get off and, and just crowds of people would push on. They would load up and leave and the next one would pull up and that went on for some time. And we, we kind of worked our way to where we were getting closer and closer and closer. And finally we got to one where we thought we could get on and it pulls up and the people get off and we start pushing our way through and, and I'm close to the door. And all of a sudden I realized I kind of get pushed back and I realized the thing is completely packed. And I look over and there's my daughter, Brenna, who was then 19 and she's sitting in the back far corner of the tap tap. No way she could get out. All the people piled in and it's about to take off. She doesn't have a cell phone with her. She doesn't know any of the language. There's nobody on, on that tap tap she can communicate with. And so um, I reach through the window and I give her some Haitian money. Uh, there's a little window to reach through and off it goes. And I think, Lord, I'm trusting you. There's not a thing I can do here. It's all you. Would you take care of her? I think God wants us in those situations. I think he does because I, want, I think he wants to say, look what I can do. Look what I'll do. Look how I take care of you. Stop trying to do things on your own and let me step in. It took me a while, but I get, finally get on a tap tap and make my way up the mountain and there she is. She's safe. Everything's fine. 
We are supposed to be accomplishing things that we can't accomplish on our own as Christians. And that's faith. Walking with Jesus every day, being a learner and taking steps of faith. If we can focus on those things, if we can, if we can allow those things to grow in our walk with Christ and in our relationship, then that puts us in a place where God can use us. He'll bless us and he will do incredible things in our lives. In Haiti, um, one week there was a team that was getting ready to leave. And we were loading up the bus. We were leaving the guest house to leave to go to make our trek down to the airport. And usually we plan to leave about two to three hours at least ahead of time so we could have plenty of time in case we have problems. We were loading up the, the bus and we had just spent time in prayer with our host, uh, Dr. Bernard, where we stay with him at his guest, har- his guest house. And he, ta- he was taking care of, of housing us. He was taking care of our transportation at the time. We prayed with him. We were getting on the bus. We are getting ready to go down the hill. Everyone was loaded up, and we took off. And about not even a quarter of a mile down the road, the bus stops and breaks down. And so the Haitians, are, they jump out. They're pulling the, the hood of the vehicle up. They're trying to look around and see what's going on. I jump out, trying to figure out what we, what we need to do and tell everybody to stay on the bus, you know, keep, try to keep everybody safe. You know, we're in the middle of the street uh, in this community. And so um, I, I get my phone, my cell phone. I call Dr. Bernard. I say, Dr. Bernard, our transportation that you've hired is broken down. We need another vehicle. We've got to get to the airport. So it's not long. He shows up in a couple of minutes. He shows up and he goes up to the bus driver who's driving and his name's Frankie. And he goes up and they start having this conversation and it starts getting a little heated (laughs) and it's back and forth and back and forth. And the backstory is that I realize um, as as they're sitting there and they're they're arguing, um, I realize that the day before I had had a conversation with Frankie, the bus driver, and he has told me that about his wife who was having surgery and he was very, uh, very upset about it the day before. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm standing there watching all this happen. I'm thinking about what's on his mind and, and come to find out that with everything going on, he just simply forgot to fill up the bus with gas. And so um, I'm standing there and, and all of a sudden Frankie comes toward me. Now Frankie is 6'4", six, 6'5", six, he's huge. He's a big man. And he comes walking forward to me, and I don't know what's going on, but he walks right up to me, right up to my face. And he falls on his knees. Just like that, he looks up at me. And I'm just like, what's going on? And he says, my boss. That's what he called me. My boss, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I was so uncomfortable with that. I was. But what a perfect image of our walk with Christ when there's times where we have to say, Lord, I I desire more of you. And I've not done a very good job. I've not trusted you. I've not walked with you. I'm not a very good listener and learner. Whatever it is, there are times in our lives where God uh, desires for us to maybe not physically fall on our knees, but spiritually to fall on our knees before him. And say the same thing. And you know what? I was so uncomfortable with that. I said, Frankie, no, no. I said, get up. Get up. It's okay. I forgive you. Isn't that what the Lord does? And so as I finish our time together this morning, I 
I give all this out as a challenge to you in your walk with Christ. That maybe there's part of this where you need to fall before the Lord. To say to him the same thing. My boss, (laughs) my Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. And let him pick you back up and say, let's walk together. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you because you love us. And your love has changed us. And as we spend our time together this morning in your word, we are challenged. Not just because of people and a faraway country, but challenged by you to walk with you more closely. We pray that your Holy Spirit would do the work that you are desiring in our lives today and throughout this day and this week and that we would do business with you in whatever way that means that we may fall on our knees spiritually and start fresh and new in our walk with you Lord we thank you for our time in Jesus name Amen